there's something called like uh, emotional dysregulation where we just kind of we're so spent that we can't regulate the amygdala and it's just we are overwhelmed and we um, whatever you said to me I take it like 10 times, like blow it out of proportion, even though that's not what you meant. And so you could easily see if he said, oh, that dress doesn't look as nice as the other. I'm thinking like it's the end of the world. He just told me I'm fat. Like I'm I'm going like in 10,000 places, right? And now I can see that. Now I understand that. Then I didn't. Hello and hola, friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Please help me welcome our guest on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Diana Mercado, or Dr. Diana Mercado Marmarash. Did I say that right? Yes, you got it. She is a family medicine physician, a clinic medical director, a chief medical officer, and founder of Overachieve Life Coaching. She helps physicians with ADHD reclaim five to 10 hours weekly guilt-free. She's also the loving wife for almost 10 years now to a computer engineer and very similar to me has two, well, okay, she doesn't have three kids, but she has two kids, four-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. So welcome, Diana. I'm so happy you're on my show today. Thank you. It's so exciting to talk to you. <laughs> and I, I love the topic of that you brought to the table here today of ADHD because that is something we have not yet talked about, but it's actually like a huge part of what a lot of people, you know, pediatricians, I think, and family medicines, uh, doctors, treat and talk about with their patients. So such an important topic. Thanks for coming to talk about it. And before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about where you are sitting right now, where you're from and who you are. Sure. Uh, So right now I'm sitting in my office and I am in Texas. I'm in South Texas. Um, It's uh, like two hours south of Houston. It's a rural place. Uh, And I work at a clinic and I work at a hospital in a nursing home. And I'm an ADHD coach now. Um, And as you just said, um, I have two kids and my husband. So busy, busy life, but wouldn't trade it for the world. Perfect. And because you're on my show, Medicine, Marriage, and Money, what is your definition of marital interdependence? Yeah. So my definition would be uh, taking deep breaths. (laughs) I tend to be somebody who is super excited and is ready to go before I have even analyzed uh, what next steps need to happen. And I don't have the big picture, but I just know I want it. And my husband is the opposite of me, luckily. Um, He overanalyzes everything and can see 10 steps ahead of me. Uh, so I think I mentioned to you that he's my ADHD medicine because he can kind of, without judging me, kind of point me or steer me in the right direction or ask me the correct question to um, 
to get us on the right track. But at the same time, I feel like we help each other because otherwise he'll overthink it and sit too long and I'm ready to go. And so it's it's a wonderful complimentary thing because then stuff happens because I'm 10 steps ahead of him and he's like, slow down, slow down. And then we we make it happen. (laughs) So give us an example. Like when was the last time this happened for you? Oh my God, every day. So let's see. Um, Oh, perfect example of the beach this weekend. So finally, um, uh, some of you know that I had an accident uh, July 4th. I broke my ankle and I dropped a 50-pound bag of cement on my ankle trying to help my husband move uh, stuff because he was going to tile our bathroom and I didn't pay attention because I was like, oh, it's raining, but I... it should be fine. So I slipped, I fell. Anyways, uh, that's just, you know, that would have probably been, he said, I just asked you a question if there was anything left. I didn't say go get the stuff. In my mind, I went and got the stuff, right? So anyways, the point of the story I was getting to you was that we went to the beach. I could finally walk. I finally am getting better. He tells me, Please don't feed the seagulls because they're going to poop all over you. They're going to poop on your head. They're going to poop on your kids, right? And, of course, I'm not thinking that, right? What am I thinking? Oh, let me feed the seagulls so I can take a pretty picture because they're close to my kids, right? And so that's what I'm saying. Like, he was thinking five steps ahead of me. And, of course, because he asked me or he told me that I didn't feed the seagulls. Uh, but, you know, I still kind of dropped some without him knowing. And sure enough, I didn't feed all of them. And then we're walking out and he's like, what did I tell you? He's, did you feed the seagulls? I was like, no, why? And, he, and he's like, look at the car. Our car was the only car that had been pooped on all of it. I was like, how do they know? This is too dumb. And he's like, you feed the, you fed the seagulls, huh? And I was like, mm, maybe. <laughs> but it was funny. I took pictures of my car and all the other cars, and it was just my car. But I, I was like, hey, they didn't get me. So that's what I mean. Like, he's always kind of ahead of me, even though I try to, like, I, I have listened to what he says. Uh, I think if I were to listen more, sometimes maybe. But I'm like, whatever. You got to live a little, right? Oh my gosh, this is so refreshing because I think this happens in so many people's marriages. I mean, including mine. Sometimes my husband asks me what I, you know, what I was thinking or why I didn't think certain things. And I'm like, you know what? I've, I've, I have no idea. I'm just so excited about the, yeah, just actually doing this thing. I don't always think things through and thank goodness I am married to him. This is so perfect. So, so tell me a little bit more about this, um, him being your ADHD medicine. Like, does that mean you don't actually, and like, when were you officially diagnosed? And does this mean you don't have to be on like pills for it? Oh, I wish. <laughs> he can only do so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually got diagnosed in my first semester of medical school. Um, and Interestingly enough, I actually also met him in my first semester of medical school. I met I met him in like November, December. Uh, well, I guess I met him in person at that time, but I had 
I probably met him two or three months before chatting on Yahoo Personals. And I was, yeah, we met online and it was meant to be a dare. Uh, you know, we're medical students, we're broke. We're like, Ooh, who can pay my food, right? But at the same time, I was a medical student and I was kind of, you know, trying to study and trying to make it. So I didn't want to meet him right away. I wanted to uh, get over some tests that I had and then meet him. Uh, so that's how that happened. Uh, so I got diagnosed, I think in October. Uh, I started school in August. I think I got diagnosed in October. Um, and I started on medications. Of course, around the diagnosis, I didn't even know I had ADHD. Or I didn't even know what ADHD was, even though I was a medical student. Um, uh, I just, I wasn't sure if I was anxious just because like I was the first person to go to medical school and I was like worried that if I didn't like do well, my family was going to look down upon me. Um, and I didn't know whether I was anxious and I just couldn't concentrate long enough to finish the test. Uh, or I didn't know if I was overstudying or I was depressed because my dad, unfortunately, around that same time got diagnosed with stomach cancer. And so it was one of my roommates who said, Diana, I see you studying like 80, 90 hours. I don't know if you're just not resting. I don't know if you're not retaining information. Like, go ask for help. Go see what's going on. Maybe all this is normal, but maybe it's not. And so, I mean, if you looked at my family, we're all kind of like a little forgetful. We're all kind of like high energy. We're all kind of loud and impulsive. So like, to me, that's norm. Like, what do you expect? We're Mexicans, right? Like, this is what we do. And so, uh, so yeah, so I get the diagnosis. I started medications. It's helpful. But in my mind, I was having like an internal shame about the diagnosis because I thought, okay, I'm a first like I'm the oldest daughter and I should be like the example and like what I have going for me is being smart or being good. And in my eyes, being perfect meant like I was doing those two things. And now this diagnosis meant all of a sudden, like maybe I wasn't those two things and my identity crisis came forth. And so I didn't really even... Uh, so I told my parents and they were fine with it. They didn't, they're like, oh, okay, good. Take meds, whatever. Like they didn't make it mean anything. But in my mind, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I don't even think I told my, my, now my husband at that time, we dated almost six years. And that's what I mean about being patient for him to get ongoing, right? With things that I'm like, what are we doing here? I need to know. I'm like expiring goods. We need to move on with it, right? If you're not going to propose. Oh, so he was the one who wanted to be dating for six. Okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> yes, I was ready to be married or move on, right? Like, I was like, what are we doing? Um, so this is what I mean by me being impulsive and being like quickly, right? Uh, getting to things. Uh, so, so at two years in, I think I finally told him that I had ADHD and he didn't even make it like mean anything. He was like, oh, of course, I know I can tell. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I could tell. I was like, okay, you're okay with that? He's like, yeah, that's fine. He's like, you have energy. You don't make it mean anything. Like, you're not super judgy. Like, it's fine. It's perfect. I'm like, okay, cool. But I think I only told five people, like, uh, until the last year, because even though he accepted me the way I was and never made me feel weird, I didn't accept me the way I was. And so I think that was part of the problem um and because and so i got medicated all the way through 
right before I became an attending. And then when I was going to become an attending, uh, they said, oh, you need to go find somebody else because you're no longer a student. You need to, you know, you're going to have your own job, whatever. And I picked a random person out of a hat. Unfortunately, I didn't pick wisely. I didn't do my research. I just assumed that anybody would know how to treat adult ADHD professionals. And unfortunately, the encounter I had didn't last more than three minutes when I saw that physician, even though I took them my neuropsych uh, stuff. They said, you're a physician. You should know better. You outgrow this. And he walked out and he said, you don't need meds. And so for the next eight years, I basically took for faith what he said. And because I was feeling ashamed, I didn't question it. And so obviously I relied a lot on my husband during those eight years to help me kind of put it together. And as many people know, sometimes females do get diagnosed later on just because even though there was always signs there that I was super active, I was smart enough and kept like being promoted or whatever. And then I was in, you know, running and cross country team 10 miles sometimes. Sometimes I was doing, uh, dancing and all these different things that have a lot of dopamine so you can easily be like missed if if you're not challenged enough uh when then you get to college you get a little bit more challenged i struggled my first year i even got put on probation for my for my college um scholarship i remember they said oh you just have to keep a like a b b minus average and i was like please, I have all A's, right? That was in my mind. And then I get there and I'm like, what do you mean I have a C like on a chemistry class? Like I was freaking out. And, and so the point is that you just, and even then I didn't put it together. I just started doing the same, like more of whatever I did, which was like get tutors, talk to other people, like go talk to professors, like just trying different things. And eventually my my sophomore and senior and everything went well. My grades went better, but then I started running. I didn't realize I wasn't doing that in my first year. So, but of course I was eating a lot and I didn't think anything, but that was a dopamine way of getting that. So you, you can see how things fluctuate. And so um, then I started to lose the weight and run and then my grades got better. So it, it's, there is some truth to your diet with ADHD that if you're having high sugar, uh, that's going to make your ADHD worse. So, and yeah. And so I didn't understand that at that point. Now I do. In the last year I've learned so much about iron deficiency and, uh, you know, different things that I didn't put together at that point, or I couldn't understand why the week of my period, I was just like some witch that nobody could like stand, including myself, right? Because my estrogen levels were so down and I didn't realize that that made my ADHD worse. And so a lot of stuff I've now come to understand because in the last year I've discovered life coaching. And in the last year, um, I've finally started doing doing all these things exercising life coaching and even when I did that meditation it wasn't enough to get me where I needed to be so that's when I started meds again and uh and yeah my husband says that through life coaching and through meds now he has Diana 2.0 and he's super oh excited God, Diana 2.0 <laughs> oh that's what yeah keep keep on with the life coaching the diet the exercise the and the medication so like for those eight years okay so for eight years you were in attending because this one physician took 30 seconds to tell you how what did those eight years look like 
There are a lot of podcasts out there. Murder mysteries, breaking news, there's even a podcast about garden gnomes. But instead, you're here, learning how to be the best physician you can be. Smart move. Do you know what else is a smart move? Working a locum tenens assignment with Comp Health. Now, I know what you're thinking. You already have a job, but that's the best part. You can work flexible locum assignments on the side for extra income, or you can work locums full-time too. And to top it all off, locums almost always pays more on average. Just head to financialresidency.com forward slash comp health and see what locums can do for you financially. And how have they been different? They were hell. It was like a love-hate thing. So why do I say hell? It, it was a norm for me, but I didn't realize how not the norm it is for other people or maybe it is but not it shouldn't have to be right so like I always had like a hundred to two hundred notes like open I always had like a hundred to two hundred yeah that was the norm uh like a hundred to two hundred like in basket messages prescriptions like they were always there and I had no awareness of time so like if I talked to you for five minutes or for like an hour I had no awareness that I had spend that much time and so you can easily see I love my patients so I could talk to them for hours and I didn't whatever right it didn't mean anything and I didn't have any boundaries so like if they wanted to talk about 10 things we would talk about 10 things and then I'm and I'd be like why is everybody else mad like you know I had like no insight like how behind I was oh and of course I talked but I didn't charge it so then it's not like I remembered right excuse my language and so so then you can easily see why I was behind and always like 10 to 12 hours outside of my work charting. It didn't matter if I was on or off on the weekend because then I was also covering the hospital and I was also doing the nursing home. So then I would come and like chart after I finished seeing the hospital patients, trying to keep up with the clinic side of it. And it was such a mess. And my husband would never like questioned it because, well, you're a physician. I mean, it's your life, right? Like you're meant to be pulled in so many directions. And I didn't realize not now through coaching, I actually did a lot of investment in myself. I did live coaching and ADHD coaching, which is different uh, because in the ADHD coaching side of it, uh, they teach you about time awareness, about recipes, uh, meaning if you ask me how long something's going to take me, I would tell you 10 minutes, but I would tell you the task. I have, I'm have. i not going to encounter or tell you how long it's going to take me to gather the stuff to start the task, and I'm not going to tell you how long it takes to finish the task. So you could imagine why my husband would say, how long is that going to take you? And I'd be like, 20 minutes. He's like, okay, I'll see you in an hour. And I'd be like, no, I'll be done in 20 minutes. And then like an hour come by, and he's like, are you almost done? I'm like, yeah, I have two more minutes. He's like, I thought you were going to take 20 minutes. But he never like pushed it on me he just kind of like knew and he just so that's what I say like he he accepted me the way I was even though in my mind I was like so I say it was a love-hate relationship because I love my patients but I hated the charting and I made myself do the charting because I felt like how else is everybody else gonna know how well I'm taking care of my patient if I don't do it right and so 
And so that's that's what it was. But I will be happy to say in October will be almost a year that I have had all my notes closed uh, and they taught me. Yeah, it, it's been it's been life changing. Yeah. So I've I've easily gotten like maybe 24 hours back of my life per week because 12 hours of charting that I'm not having to do outside of work. Plus I have eight to 10 hours extra that I actually get to enjoy with my family and my new business. And now I'm coaching other people to do. Uh, I never would have thought. And I'm like I said, I still cover all those roles, the the chief medical officer, the clinic director, the, you know, all those stuff. Yeah. So medicine worked. Having a supportive husband definitely worked. But I think stepping back and becoming curious with how your brain works was the most important part. Like accepting yourself for who you were and not being mad that that physician did whatever, but realizing, well, that happened. Now I'm here and let's not make anybody else have to go through that. Yeah. And you know what I find so fascinating is that your husband has been here through you, like from the beginning, from you getting diagnosed and then being on medicine for like for the, for the four years of medical school or probably training too, right? So how long? Actually almost eight years because I did my first, my medical school, I, my first year I split it into two because my father having the cancer, I wanted to make sure. So it was five years that I took uh, to do medicine. I mean, medical school and then the three years of residency. So, so eight years on meds and then eight years without. <laughs> Now a couple, a one year on. Yeah, so I started the meds again. I think in like November, December. So almost, yeah, like six, seven months. I don't know, but yeah, it's been life changing. Yeah. Did this affect your marriage at all? Being on them, off and on them. Did it affect your marriage at all? Yes, I, I, I think it did. In, in, in the sense that. When I was on them, I could do things a lot easier that I didn't want to do, like the boring stuff, you know, like the dishes and the laundry and like just having stuff organized, right? Um, without them, I would still do them, but it was like a drag. It was like, you know, it, it was like a nuisance. It, it was just, you know, I always felt like we had to over motivate ourselves. Like maybe we had to invite people over to make ourselves clean or whatever. Otherwise that, that was not going to happen. Right. Because like I went to work, I did everything that I could. And then I would come home and I was like emotionally and uh, decision if executively like spent, like I had nothing else to give. Right. And so even though I wanted to be like super excited to see my husband and super excited to take care of my kids, I was just like, what the hell? Like, this is the second shift. Right. Like, so I was just drained. Like I didn't, I was, and then I was resentful too, I think, because um, when I was breastfeeding and doing different things like that and not sleeping, oh my God, when I don't sleep, I'm not, I'm not functioning well. So, and then he tells me he doesn't want to sleep or he, or he says he, he's a light sleeper and I turn around and I see him asleep as I'm trying to breastfeed. And I'm like, you're asleep. Why are you saying you're not asleep? Like I was pissed, right? I'm like, how do you say you don't sleep? So you should be doing the midnight feed if I have so much like stored food, right? But here's the thing. I was thinking all that, but I never asked him. So that's where the problem happens. And that's where like life coaching or, or talking to therapists or talking to other people, you come to realize that you are holding on to things 
that you never even voiced out loud. Like we we now have learned that we have manuals, right? Like we learned that uh, we expect certain people to behave a certain way. Otherwise, who's the one mad? We are, right? But that other person doesn't even know. And even when you do tell them, it doesn't mean that they're automatically going to do it, but at least they now have a chance of an awareness of what you want <laughs> from them. And so I had to realize that he had been helping me all along even though I felt like overwhelmed because I wasn't treating my ADHD correctly. Uh, and so he was helping. I was just too um, oblivious of what everything I was doing that I couldn't see what everything he was doing that he wasn't even bothering to tell me that he was doing because he was just taking care of it. And so, so yeah, it definitely has brought a lot of perspective and like, gratitude and and just and then I think the fact that we just communicate differently like adds another layer in there because I'm an extrovert and he's an introvert so you can just imagine uh if I'm mad about something or um with ADHD there's something called like uh emotional dysregulation where we just kind of we're so spent that we can't regulate the amygdala and it's just, we are overwhelmed. And we, um, whatever you said to me, I take it like 10 times, like blow it out of proportion, even though that's not what you meant. And so you could easily see if he said, oh, that dress doesn't look as nice as the other. I'm thinking like it's the end of the world. He just told me I'm fat. Like I'm, I'm going like in 10,000 places, right? And now I can see that. Now I understand that. Then I didn't. So then now I have learned to like scale it back whenever we were in an argument or something. I wanted to talk to him right there and then because I'm an extrovert. I want to figure it out right there and then. And him, he's like, okay, I'll let you calm down and then we'll, we'll talk later. And I'll be like, what do you mean? We need to talk right now. <laughs> and so you could see me chasing around and he's like trying to like, you know, get away from me because he needs his time to calm down or whatever. And so, yeah, it's been a, it's been good um, knowing the different faces as like before kids, during kids, after kids <laughs> and, and before meds and after meds. And yeah, it's been before life coaching, after life coaching, it's, it's been good. <laughs> I know there's multiple variables you mentioned, you know, you mentioned the, the changing your diet, the exercise, you know, the life coaching and the medicine has all affected your ADHD and how you show up in life for yourself, for your husband, for your patients. Do you think that you can isolate any one of those as the most helpful? Honestly, I think um, the medication probably is the most immediate uh, bang for your buck because within 30 minutes, like you can see a difference. <laughs> and within 30 minutes, like all of a sudden you're able to do the things that you wanted to all along and you're not as frustrated. And then that gives you a clear enough head. It's kind of like having 25 tabs open, you take the med, now you have five. So it's a lot easier. I'm not gonna say it's easy, but it's a lot easier. And then from there, you're able to have enough insight to, hey, maybe I should work on my diet. Hey, maybe I should do my exercise. When I do my exercise or I eat this way, I feel so much better. Okay, maybe I should do that again. You know, like you have a lot more room to have a breathing room to 
realize versus when you're just in a hundred percent overwhelm, chronic fatigue, cortisol level, adrenaline, always on there and overdrive, you have no space to like to regulate because yes, I had a deadline. So I would push myself to do that deadline, but then I was spent for the next three or four days without meds, right? And then finally, like I recuperate and then I have another deadline and then I'm spent. And so you could see you never gave yourself the time to really replete your your cup, right? Okay, so so that you can most bang for your buck medicine and then you can take care of the exercise and the diet and then the life coaching. Uh, how, how big of a role does that play? So I think it has played a big role in, just because, like I said, with the even though for the dsm-5 um emotional regulation or dysregulation is not considered one of the um criterias for diagnosis uh it had been in the 20th century it had always been all along like if you go back to the 1970s like you will see uh you know and even in the 1700s you will see that this adhd has existed all along they call it different names but it's existed all along and it always had the component of emotional they even called it anger uh dysregulation they called it all kinds of stuff because when you can't make a decision like you jump into anger or irritability and so mm. the, the point that i'm trying to get at is that in europe they do use it, emotional dysregulation. They, they use that as, as a criteria for ADHD. Um, so with life coaching, the way that's insightful is when you have, you don't have this ability to realize that your thoughts and your emotions and your actions are all kind of linked together. Like we have 10,000 thoughts going in our head. Like, and if you're talking to me, you're going to be like, how the hell did you get to that? We were talking about that. And you just made like, are we still talking about that topic? And like, there's like 10 things that came through that I somehow linked together. Um, But with life coaching, it's enough to like step back you're working on one thought at a time. Okay, that thought, what did that thought make you, what feeling were you having? Even though, you know, and you're like, okay, this one. And then from there you go to the other and then, okay. And then you have such a big breakthrough. You're like, oh, that goes together. Oh, that's just a thought. Okay, okay. So it's not a fact. Okay, my brain says it's a fact. It's been saying it's a fact for the last 10 years, you know? And so you hold on to things that you don't realize or you don't let go of because they are so emotionally ingrained. And you're so many different places that you're so labile with your emotions and you don't even know which one triggered what. So life coaching brings you back and it gets you to focus on one thing at a time to make the connection to realize, okay, that's unconscious. You don't, that's not really serving you. Okay. How do you want to feel? And then you get to the intentional part of it or the result of it. And so with life coaching, it's cool in the sense that you can make whatever goals you want, right? You don't have to like sit there and go through therapy in years and years and years to figure out why you act a certain way, the way you do based on childhood. I'm not saying that one is better than the other because they all have their roles. But um, in my mind, I was never sad or depressed. I was stressed, but I thought that was normal. I mean, what else do you expect with so many roles and being a physician and 
I never knew I was living from a place of reactivity, uh, reaction, just reacting to everything. And then I didn't understand why I was always pissed that, you know, people kept disrupting me and I couldn't get my shit together, so to say. But now I understand that I have to just teach people. I have to tell them, hey, text me, don't call me. Like, pull me out only if you need me because we're in a fire. Don't just pull me out to sign something that can wait like 30 minutes after I was done with my patient. Yes. Oh my gosh. Amen to that. What an amazing episode with Dr. Diana Mercado Marmaros. My take home points from Dr. Mercado. Number one, when you feel like you need to be an example, Dr. Diana mentioned that she went through this identity crisis when she was diagnosed, first diagnosed with ADHD. And maybe you've been diagnosed with something or you've turned a certain age (laughs) or something has happened at work or things, something just didn't turn out. You weren't the mother or the daughter or the friend or the, the son you thought you would be, right? And you're going through a bit of an identity crisis and you may be thinking, well, what, what's going on? Like, I'm usually the example. I'm smart. I'm, I'm usually the one who, who leads here, who people follow. What's, what's happening? And, and the question Dr. Mercado poses is, what are you making, you know, this certain identity crisis, whatever happened to you, you're, you're, you turned into, you're older, you were diagnosed with something, something in your life, monumental in your life happened. What are you making that mean? Are you making it mean that you're not smart or not perfect? Well, newsflash, there is no perfect. But we all need kind of these mental check-ins, these mental check-ins. And this is something we don't often talk about. Uh, we're, we're told to get checkups routinely through our, our, our body, our heart, you know, heart. Or, or if you're a woman, you know, you, you get mammograms starting a certain age. You get prostate checks if you're a, a and colonoscopies you know all these different things that you get but when do you get your mind checked up you know it's just like bodybuilding or body sculpting <laughs> pilates uh, running running for your health whatever you want to do to keep your body strong and healthy the same thing goes for your mind so if you are or happen to go through identity crisis at some time in your present or future life, know that that's okay. And that maybe it's just a sign that your mind needs a little checkup, which is completely normal, especially in Western medicine when we don't emphasize mental health until I think now. And we're starting to talk about it more. Number two, when you don't take care of your thoughts or your mind, like what we were just talking about, what what this can cause is feelings of resentment. Dr. Mercado brought up this feeling of when you get home and you're starting the second shift. You've gotten home from your work, your day at the clinic or the hospital. And then all of a sudden you step into your other role and you get upset when you see your spouse sleeping and you cannot because you're cleaning the kitchen or you're breastfeeding or you're building something in the office or you're organizing or you're mowing the lawn, something else, right? That needs to be done at home, taking care of the kids. 
taking care of Amazon orders, whatever it is. And you might have this resentment towards your spouse or towards your kids for not doing the things. You may be feeling like you're the one doing everything. Well, what she says is it's because we're not taking care of our thoughts, the thoughts that are causing this resentment that is leading you to keep score of who's doing what. And life coaching has helped her give perspective, right? So she's not resentful or thinking about all these things, thinking she's the only one. What wonderful way to live with a little bit more perspective. So I just love that. Take care of your thoughts and feel less resentful. Number three, emotional dysregulation. What is it? Well, Dr. Mercado tells us that it's when you cannot regulate your amygdala and, and you just end up being so spent. You're just spent. And I think another term for that might be burnt out or moral injury. When you take something so small that happens and then think that it's the end of the world. When somebody might say something which you think is unkind, or maybe your spouse tells you the bills are late and you take that as it's your fault because you didn't open the mail or because you didn't pay it when you thought you did, right? Or that the kids aren't eating as healthy as they should and you think it's because you're not cooking the right food or buying the right food or you're not telling certain people to feed them. I mean, whatever it is. Dr. Mercado said it was when her spouse told her that maybe she needed to change her her outfit wasn't just the most flattering and she thinks it makes it means it's her fat and then it's basically the end of the world, right? So emotional dysregulation, she ties to ADHD and she talks about the DSM-IV and um, diagnoses, what they used to be and what they are currently. However, I think we all probably have an element of emotional dysregulation when we're not paying attention to what's actually getting in the way of our mind. And number four, don't feed the seagulls. And that's it, my friends. So I hope you walk away asking yourself, am I living from a place of reactivity? Do I accept myself the way I am? Do I have awareness of time as it passes? And do I decide how long I want to spend on a certain task and stick to it? Or does time seem to escape me? Do I get behind at work regularly? When I cannot make a decision, do I jump into anger or irritation? And if any of those questions kind of triggers you or you answer yes, or you're like, oh wow, yes, I do get behind regularly at work. Or yes, I can never stick to a certain time. I, my tasks are endless. Or yes, I just have no awareness of time. No, I don't accept the way I am. And yes, I am living from a place of reactivity. Well, maybe my friends, maybe life coaching is for you. Maybe it's something this will help you feel unstuck. This will help you be less angry, upset, and annoyed in life. Maybe not just at home with your spouse or your kids, but also at work. 
And if that sounds like something you can explore further, then reach out to me. I would love to help you get unstuck. And what is the more perfect time than now to invest in yourself? I mean, it's December 2021. Time is not moving any slower. And don't forget to join the party with me on Facebook at Medicine, Marriage, and Money. Anyone is invited. And also at the 39.6 community in my husband's community where he talks about all things finance. Much love to you, my friends. And I hope you go and spread unconditional love and joy into the world during this joyous December season. Much love to you and your spouse. content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.